Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Follow Me, we will be looking at what it means to be a disciple. Today's speaker is teaching minister Tim Peace. And uh, before we jump in, I, um, I have to confess that I told first services, this sermon has been really, really challenging to write this week. Um, I normally have a routine that I go through and uh, for a variety of different reasons, most of them good reasons, but nonetheless reasons, I got thrown off of that, and so I kept trying to force this message this week. Um, in the evening, um, when I should be going to sleep, I've been reading this book called Whisper. I think it's called Whisper. It's by a guy named uh, Mark Batterson, and um, it's about prayer, but the focus of the prayer is on listening. And I realized this week that part of the reason that this sermon was such a big struggle is because I was having trouble listening. Um, Sometimes it's easy to try to write a sermon and to try to force it and to think you can muscle your way through it and, uh, you know, write all this good stuff that everyone's going to forget in 20 minutes. Um, But that's a sarcastic thought, sorry. Um, I hope it is. Please don't forget it in 20 minutes afterward. Anyway... Um, but I, I started to recognize that I just needed to do a lot more praying, and uh, so I ended up uh, doing several rewrites, including last night. And um, so, yeah, so uh, I apologize in advance for not knowing what I'm doing today, uh, but uh, we're going to jump in because I get to talk about leadership today, and it, leadership is one of those words that... Uh, Man, it's, it's, a, it's a buzzword that seems to have been a buzzword for like 30 years. Like people write books about it. Um, everyone from corporate CEOs write books uh, to ministers writing books and everyone uh, in between. I don't know if there's an in between there, but you get the point. A lot of people like to talk about leadership. And leadership's a funny thing because our notions of what a leader uh, is and what a leader looks like uh, is pretty fragmented these days. And so I wanted to go to the Bible, and there's this imagery that continues to come up in the Bible of the shepherd. A couple weeks ago, I got to preach a sermon out of John chapter 10, and in that chapter, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And we see a lot of talk about shepherds, and sometimes we think about shepherds as these lowly uh, individuals, these these, uh, people. poverty-stricken people. Uh, we we uh, read in, in the Gospel of Luke when the angels come and make the announcement about Jesus' birth, and all we can think about is Linus in the spotlight telling that story with his blanket. I think it's wrapped over his head. In the moment. Anyway, we think of that story, and we think about the fact that all oh, these guys are, are lowly and, and insignificant, but in fact, they're not. Because what we find in the Bible and what we find in ancient culture is that the the role of the shepherd was really, really, really important and really vital for people. And the reason is, is because if you were a livestock owner, that was your source of wealth and sustenance in life. And as such, to lose it would be a catastrophe. And so it was common for uh, shepherds to, uh, to... end up becoming, uh, they, they might have been the owners of the livestock themselves, or uh, if they didn't want to do the job, they were hired out to a family member. And one of the most prominent shepherds that we know in 1 Samuel 16 is a young man by the name of David. 
And David, we find out, is actually the youngest of the children of his father, Jesse, but yet he was put in charge of this enormous task. And so the idea of shepherd is prominent in Scripture, and it's the reason that Jesus uses the word shepherd to describe himself. And you might be wondering, well, what makes it so prominent? Well, if you were a shepherd, your job was first and foremost to take care of the sheep or the livestock that you were overseeing, which meant that you had to feed and water them. It meant that if an outside animal uh, would come in and attempt to devour or to attack the sheep, it was your duty to make sure that they were protected from any of those outside threats. If you uh, had someone that was coming in trying to steal the sheep, because you know, if it's a source of wealth, somebody else might want it and want to run off with it. It was your job to put your life on the line to protect the investment of the owner of the sheep. And you know, sometimes these shepherds, if they would find a sheep, a lamb that couldn't move on its own, the shepherd would pick up the animal, put it over his shoulders, and carry it to wherever it needed to go. See, the role of the shepherd was self-sacrificing, selfless, difficult, at times harsh, but it was life-giving too. Now, that's why Jesus used this description of good shepherd But when we look around at the word leader in our world, we probably notice that if we're comparing the shepherd style of leadership of Jesus, of the shepherds in the Bible, to leaders today, we're probably thinking there's a leadership vacuum. Because that's not what we're told leadership is. Leadership in our culture is where people fill power positions and they aim for prestige And they aim for authority. And they aim for control. And in our pessimistic 24-7 news cycle and social media constantly at every single click that we can get it, we look around and we say, where are the leaders that are in Scripture here? But I want to tell you something today. Today we're going to find out how to look for Biblical leaders, Jesus-like leaders, shepherd-like leaders. But I also want to start off by showing you that the problem today isn't a new problem. And to do that, I want us to turn to the Gospel of Mark for a moment. Because there's this passage where Jesus interacts with his 12 disciples that identifies the problem. And it's Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. It's referenced in your bulletin, but the text isn't there. So follow along on the screens, or if you have a Bible with you, please open it up with me and follow along. But this is what happens with two specific disciples named James and John. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. 
And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I baptize with. But to, my, to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Now when the ten, the other ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, here's the issue. James and John, like the rest of the twelve, believed Jesus was the Messiah. And when I say that, you might think, well, that's a good thing because Jesus is the Messiah. Except that what they thought about what a Messiah is was completely off base. See, they thought Jesus was going to be a conquering king. He was going to come in and he was going to drive out the Roman oppressors in their lives. And he was going to take residence on the throne. And being his special called people, they get to be in positions of power themselves. Now, James and John go quietly to Jesus and they say, Hey, can we sit at your really special positions, your right and your left? And they want Jesus to come into power, and they want some of the power themselves. Now, you might read this passage and think, well, that's why the other ten get mad at them. Because they're thinking to themselves, haven't you been paying attention to Jesus? He's not that kind of Messiah. You've got it wrong, James. No, they wanted the same power themselves. They just got beat to the punch. That's the problem. And Jesus recognizes this, and he takes this as a teaching opportunity. And he pulls his guys together, and he says, guess what? This view you have of leadership, whatever it is you think I am, and whatever you think you're going to benefit from by being around me, that's not how it's going to be in my kingdom. That's how it is for the worldly leaders, but it won't be so here. If you want to be great, then become a servant of all. If you want to become first, you must lower yourself to the lowest in society, the role of a slave. And then Jesus adds, to cap it all off, the son of man, your king, yes, he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus defined leadership, Jesus defined power, Jesus defined authority different than the world around him. And so should we. But we look around and that's all we know because that's all we see and all we hear. So this morning, I want us to look more deeply at how to identify real Christ-like, biblically-based shepherding leaders. Because if we're going to continue to follow me, you know, Didi did a fantastic job talking about being coachable last week. That's great. Become coachable. And the first step then, go find someone to lead you. And I'm going to show you how this morning. And we're going to look at a really, really small passage in Hebrews chapter 13. Now, some people think Hebrews 
was written by Paul. <coughs> <Didi. coughs> Just kidding. Um, and anyway, uh, it might have been, I'm probably wrong, and it was probably, there, there are things that sound very much like Paul, but we don't know because he didn't put his name on it. Anyway, whoever wrote this letter wrote a fantastic letter calling Christians to stay Christians rather than going back to their former ways of Judaism. And he concludes the letter by telling them exactly what they need to do to continue to grow in faith. And we come across two small verses in the middle of chapter 13, verses 7 through 8. And I want you to listen to what these verses say because they tell us everything we need to know about how to identify a leader, how to follow one once we find them, and what it might look like if we become like our leaders that we follow. This is what the writer says. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now the important thing about these two verses, first and foremost, is Verse 8 is the power verse. Because everything that is said about a leader, everything that is said about how we ought to live and how leaders ought to look is rooted in Jesus. And the thing about Jesus is what he has said and what he has done and what he is still doing doesn't change. It was the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it will continue to be the same so when we're looking for leaders, the model that's presented to us that's rooted in Christ-likeness won't change. It's not going to get difficult for us to find. And so, with that being said, I want to give you a little bit more precise rendering of what this verse says in the original Greek. It says, remember those by whom you are being led, first, who spoke to you the word of God, look carefully at the end result of their way of life, imitate their faith. Now to break down this verse will help us know how to identify, follow, and become leaders in the Christ-like sense. And that's why our first key is simply this. Identify your leaders by their Christ-likeness and not merely by their title. You see, someone might be in a position of power, someone might uh, claim to know something, someone might be in some sort of special status, but if they don't look like Jesus, they're not worthy of following. And I'll tell you this, the New Testament goes on and on and on, showing us what a Christ-like person looks like and what a non-Christ-like person looks like so that we can do a really good job of discerning for ourselves who we ought to follow. So I would encourage you to take some time to read through this. But first thing, it says, remember your leaders. Now, a lot of translations uh, will render this as remember your leaders in a sense of remember the guys that were before you that have died. And it reads as if it's telling you to simply memorialize a past leader. Look to the end of their life, most of the translations say, but it's not getting the nuance of the passage. Because what's being said here is, remember those by whom you are being led, which means your leaders may still be in your presence. It's telling you to look carefully at something, or more precisely, look carefully at someone. And it's telling us that we ought to be able to identify the outcome of their way of life. 
The first six verses in this passage don't just describe how we ought to live, but they describe how a real Christian leader lives. They say things like they love one another. It says, do not forget to show hospitality to your strangers. Continue to remember those in prison or those who have been mistreated in the faith. Marriage should be honored by all. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. See, this is what a person who is a Christ-like leader will live like. And you will be able to see the outcome of their way of life. They are true leaders because they teach like Jesus, they live like Jesus, and they lead like Jesus. And so once we recognize what they look like, the charge for us is really simple. Do as your leaders do. Do as your leaders do. Now, there is a phrase that I detest and that you might have heard before. You ever heard the phrase, do as I say, not as I do? You've heard it, right? Someone said that to you before. Do you want to know who never would have said that phrase? Jesus. Jesus would never have said that phrase because the teaching in, in his teaching and the teaching in the rest of the New Testament points to the reality that what you say is the mar- or what you do is the marker for what, whether or not what you say has any validity. What you say doesn't matter if you don't back it up. And the same goes for any would-be leader that we're looking to to follow. And I'll give you an example of this. I used to be a runner in middle school and in my freshman year of high school. Now, I've greatly altered that story over the years because I used to just say, I'm a runner. And then it was, I used to run in high school. And then it became, I used to run up until freshman year of high school. Now, recently, some guys in my small group decided that we were going to start running together on Saturdays. And the guy that put this together, his name's Mark. And Mark is a guy that actually has run the Flying Pig Marathon before. Mark was also a cross-country runner when I was running in high school. Um, He was way better than me. Actually, I have to stop and confess, I'm the slowest of all of my friends. It is embarrassing. But it's just, you know what? I wasn't given the gift of athleticism. What are you going to do? Anyway, he pulls us together, and we start running on Saturdays. And he says, hey, I got an idea. Let's all sign up for the Thanksgiving Day 10K. So I did that. And they've got my money now, and I have the shirt. And I don't want to wear the shirt without being able to say that I ran it. So guess what I'm doing on Thursday morning? Now, here's the thing about that. When I found out we were going to go do this, I hadn't run in a long time, so I started to check out all my gear. Do I have the right shoes? Do I have, you know, moisture-wicking shirt technology? (laughs) This isn't a joke. I actually do this with my spare time. Um, I, I actually... I started to get on YouTube and I would watch videos about proper running form. Apparently you're supposed to push off with the ball of your feet and you're supposed to lean forward so that your breath support stays. I needed this because the first time we went and ran, I could barely get through one mile without feeling like I was cramping up constantly. But here's the thing. I can watch all the videos, I can read all the articles, I can buy all the gear, 
But the one thing that's most important to get ready for a 10K, I've not done very well at. I want to guess what that is? Running. So if I tell you I'm a runner and I do all the stuff but I don't go run, guess what I'm not? A runner. My friend Mark's a runner. I'm not a runner. See, we can claim to be, and people can claim to be, what they want to claim to be, but if what they do doesn't back up what they claim, they are not, in fact, what they claim they are. But the way of Jesus that he began, the program he began with his early disciples, his students, his followers, was to bring them in close so that he could not just teach them, but so, as Didi has been saying lately, so they could catch how he lived. And the goal was for them to turn around and be able to live as he lived and teach as he teaches to other people so that they would follow his followers. And then those followers would go make more followers and so on and so on and so on. That's the biblical way. So if we really want to follow Jesus, if we really want to grow in Christ-likeness, we have to have an example that we can look to and say, I'm going to follow you. And we have to be able to identify them. And when we do, we have to get close to them. And when we get close to them, we have to do as our leaders do. Now, there's another thing that's emphasized in this passage that might not be obvious, but it's important. It's this idea of looking to the outcome of somebody's way of life. An outcome is important, and I'll tell you why. Would anybody in this room be shocked if I told you that not a single one of you is perfect? Would you, no, all right. <laughs> okay, would you be shocked if I told you I wasn't perfect? Most people figured that out already. But um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not a single one of us is perfect. And none of the leaders you're looking to will be perfect. That doesn't mean you shouldn't follow them. Here's why. Because the emphasis in this passage isn't on finding a perfect leader. It's about finding someone that is walking in step with Jesus, that's following after him. And the, the, the proof in the pudding, so to speak, the bearing of fruit that we should see is not necessarily the missteps they make along the journey, but the outcome of the way of their life. And there's a big difference there. You see, when people decide to go on the journey of following Jesus, it's hard. Many of us will make mistakes, will stumble. Sometimes we have to learn through pain. Sometimes we have to learn through self-inflicted pain. But at the end of the day, it's the pursuit that leads to the outcome because God works on us in the pursuit because we can walk in step with the Spirit who empowers us to do this. And so when we look to a leader, don't write somebody off because they don't have it all together. Instead, look at the outcome of their way of life. Is it in keeping with producing fruit and faith? Are they starting to look more and more like Jesus day in and day out? If they are, go after them and follow them. But here's the thing. Do as your leaders do is not the end goal. And it's this last imperative in the passage. It says here, imitate their faith. What does it mean to imitate? Well, I'll give you another example. You guys know Joe. Joe was up here. He was playing the guitar. 
effortlessly. Joe is an incredibly gifted musician, and I do mean gifted. But the funny thing about Joe is, is he never stops and says, well, I'm really talented, so I'm going to let that be. No, he doesn't act like it, one. B, he is a good steward of the gift God's given him because he's always trying to get better at it. And more so, he desires to use his gift in order to lead the church in worship. Now, this year, guess what I got? I got a new roommate in my office. Guess who it was? Joe. And Joe and I are both music people. Now, I would argue Joe is a significantly better guitar player than me, which comes in handy. Because a few months ago, I was given a song to play and to sing on stage. And I was really struggling with playing the song accurately. So I turned to Joe He was sitting right there and I said, man, I am really struggling. I mean, you're hearing it and you're probably getting annoyed anyway. Help me. So what does Joe do? Joe takes my guitar and he sits down and he starts to play the pattern. And I start to watch what his fingers do on the guitar fret. I start to watch how his hand strums the notes. I start to listen to how the notes ought to sound. And then when Joe is done teaching me and showing me, He hands me the guitar back, and guess what I do? I start trying to play the way he did. And when I would make a mistake, Joe would graciously correct me with a ruler. I'm just kidding about that. (laughs) He would graciously correct me. And then when I would do it right, he would stop and he'd say, there it is. And when he said that, I figured out I was capable of playing it correctly, I started to play it correctly on repetition. I started to do as my leader did. But that wasn't the end game, was it? Because I was supposed to lead as my leader led. It wasn't just the practice. It was about being able to put the practice into its final endpoint. And so the goal for us isn't to end at doing as our leaders do, but leading as our leaders lead. We are to imitate those who lead us. And become like them. That way our goals become like their goals. Our countenance becomes like their countenance. Our love for others becomes like their love for others. And here's the beauty of what Jesus did from the very beginning. Every single person that is a Christian that believes in Jesus, that follows Jesus, is invited and called into doing this same thing. Imitate your leaders when you find them. Now, imitation does not mean that you look exactly like your leader. You don't. You're not going to. All of us are gifted differently. All of us have different talents. All of us are put in different places in life. But the one thing that is the same for all of us is the call and the ability to answer the call. And here's the thing, every single one of us ought to answer the call. Every one of us. And I don't know why we wouldn't want to anyway. Because it's the highest calling and the most joyous adventure that we could ever go on in the first place. So why wouldn't you want to imitate your leaders and become like them? See, power in this world is about prestige and about prominence. But the Jesus way of leadership 
says, I'm going to go find someone, I'm going to pull them close to me, and I'm going to practice presence, proximity, and patience with them. And it's going to be hard because I will tell you, anybody that's ever led anybody before or anybody that's had to be led before knows sometimes you got to put up with stuff. I'm sure I haven't been easy on the people that have led me, and I know sometimes I get frustrated at the struggle of leading somebody else, but the outcome is worth it. See, it's worth it because this is the practice that Jesus put in place in the very beginning. And it's his only plan. His only plan is to make one follower who makes another follower who makes another follower. So I want to leave you with a challenge today. I'm not going to tell you to look for leaders in the plural sense. I want you to just open up, be coachable as we learned last week, open up and look for one leader. And surprise, they might be sitting next to you. Just look for one. And when you find them, go get close to them. And when you get close to them, Catch everything that you see, hear everything that they say, and then do as they do. Because when you do as your leaders do, then you're afforded the opportunity to lead as your leaders lead. And here's the best part of all of this, is that when we lead as our leaders lead, we get to be in the footsteps of Jesus just like he was when he caught a couple of fishermen at the end of a bad days of work and a bad night of work. And you can go to this person that needs Jesus in their lives and you can reach out your hand to them and simply say the words, follow me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for the leaders in my life and I thank you that... Um, I thank you that they, uh, they had patience with me, that they put time in and effort with me. And um, the best thing I can do to honor the, the, uh, the grace that you've had on, on my life is to pay it forward and to, to do that for others. And God, I know that we sit here and we can hear a message like this, and it seems daunting. It seems like uh, I'm not equipped. Uh, I don't have time. Um, I don't have the energy. And maybe a lot of us very rightly feel that way because we've been told that uh, leadership is all about power and know-how and skill and, and all these different things that endless ink has been spilled about. But God, true leadership in your kingdom is about putting somebody else before us so that we can lead them to you and give them the life that is captured in your gospel. And that's something we all can do. So God, I pray that uh, for those of us that need a leader around us, and that would be all of us, <laughs> I pray that you will open our eyes, open our hearts, and open up an opportunity for us to take that step into following someone. And I pray that for whoever our leaders will be, I pray, God, that you will mold them and continue to mold them into the Christ-like, good shepherd nature of leadership as opposed to the power-wielding desire uh, to simply have followers. Um, we just thank you, God, for the example of your son, and we pray that uh, in everything that we do that we will become more and more like him. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.